Hello and welcome to the Ratio Podcast. I am your host, Johnny Ray, and it is so good to be back with you all. Um, let's cut to all through the bullshit and just let's talk about some rock music. And speaking of rock, we have Dave Windorf of the Mighty Monster Magnet on the show today. They have a badass new covers album entitled A Better Dystopia. And you know what? Love is too weak of a word to describe what I feel for Monster Magnet. They came along at a time when I needed a rock band, and I, I'm glad to see us both still standing all these years later. So Dave is about to sort out all kinds of shit, so, so take his words to heart. He's a wise man, the real fucking deal. Um, but before we get to the show, I just want to let you know where we are headed in the coming months and years. This podcast has always been a supporter of outsider music and art, and that's you know what we believe in. We're still going to feature metal, punk, and all the other forms of artistic expression that have made the ratio what we are. I mean, that being said, the rules have been thrown out the fucking window now, meaning we're going to have any guests we want to have on. We're going to work night and day, night and day, to bring you the coolest chats we can with no thought given to a thematic through point, really, other than this person, band, artist, is badass. We dig them. Maybe you will, too. So it's about to get weird in the best way. And, and, and we're back to stay, and that's just the point. We're refreshed and ready for the long haul. Our goal from here on out is to give you an episode each week, and we deliver what we promise. So uh, thank you so much for your support and messages during our hiatus or whatever the fuck it was. It means everything to us, and having this outlet is one we don't take lightly. Our love and respect for you all is eternal. So now that all that mushy shit is out of the way, let's talk with Dave Windorf. Hello and welcome. The Ratio Podcast is back. And hailing from Red Bank, New Jersey, we have the rock and roll badass that is Dave Windorf of the Mighty Monster Magnet on the show today. Um, we're going to be discussing their badass new covers album, A Better Dystopia. Um, but without further ado, hello, Dave. How you doing, man? <laughs> Mr. Ray, what do you say? Ah, I say I'm happy to be talking to you, sir. Uh, how the hell have you been during these uh, strange times? Oh, uh, yeah, they are strange times. There's, there's like no, there's no going out on the road, and that's the only thing I really love. And besides reading books, that's the only thing I love to do. So it's just a lot of books. A <laughs> yes. lot of books. Dude. Yes. And an album, you know, made an album in a... And read a lot. And now, you know, the lid's starting to come off, back off again. So I got stuff uh, planned for this coming year. Right. And and, and I, I hope everything uh, just goes through because, God almighty, I feel like live music has been hanging by a thread. I, I'm seeing positivity coming back now where we're hopefully we're going to get some shows and stuff. But mm. I can only imagine with you, that's all you know, man, the road. And to be grounded by God for a couple of years straight. I mean... Grounded well, by God. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> by God. I don't know. You know, I tend to to uh, think of these things in, in weird ways. It's like in a lot of ways, I think this was um, this will be one of those moments that really kind of puts an actual stamp on uh, on rock. The rock is dead. Rock is reinvented, kind of thing. Yes. Um, just because the the music landscape has changed so much from what anyone ever knew and it's been kind of limping along pretending 
you know, kind of pretending that everything's kind of the same way, except it's digital, but it's not. So maybe that's that whole shutdown and the reopening will actually like show a path of going, all right, this was, this was like the end of, of the, uh, the, and the end of something beginning of something else, you know, it right. should clean up clean. It'll probably clean out some of the dead wood out there too. I love that dead wood. I, I, I think this is, you're absolutely right on that. I mean, you're going to see people that really want to do this shit now. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and totally really want to do it as opposed to just going out there and just trying to pay off the house or whatever. Absolutely. Which, um, which is cool, you know, but, but at the same way, like rock is something that, you know, I'm used to when I was a kid changing dramatically every couple of years and it hasn't in a long time. It's just kind of skidding along. So it needs something kicking the ass. It does. It does. And you see so many people that do have a uh, very bold influence, you know, that influences, but it just seems like it's all drinking from the same well sometimes. And the bands I, you know, w- when we get into some of these uh, artists that you covered on this amazing album, A Better Dystopia, um, <laughs> the artists I looked up to, you know, like you take Sabbath. I mean, even there's so many people that drink from that well. And I'm like, go back and listen to the Sabbath records. They're so diverse. They're so, you know, they, um, they had yeah. influences and they're not showing them on their sleeve. Yeah, I know. Um, um, I, I totally agree. I mean, what, you know, that was, um, I hate to say it, but that was a long time ago when there was a whole different mindset for what rock music was. It was basically loud music and that kind of rock music was brand new. I mean, loud music didn't even come to like 67 with Iron Butterfly, right. you know, and, and you know, it wasn't even, I mean, you couldn't even have a PA it, and, and it was a singles market all the way up until 67. And then it changed into this anything goes and literally the bands there were so many bands getting together since the beatles started in like 64 and the people that ran the record companies just didn't understand what was going on so they had to sign off on it so they basically didn't know what they were doing and let the lunatics run the asylum Absolutely. and it was better yeah it was better because basically they couldn't contain all this creativity um once once the the, the hipsters and even in the early 70s, started to get a hold of what's marketable and how to niche market and how to. That's when it got to be where um, it, it started to sl- the, the progress actually started to slow down. And not I mean it's not good music and stuff, but it, it's just it wasn't quite the same. So when you you're mentioning to me that you know, Sabbath had a lot of diversity, and when people now you know, think of you know being in, in influenced by Sabbath, it's like, well, where's where's the mellow songs? Where's all the you know? Absolutely. Where's all the weirdness? And, and and I guess with, with heavier music, with the heavier side, I guess I, that was more of what I was talking about, especially in music right. that I consider you guys rock and roll, and I always have. Yeah, um, me too. And, uh, but, but in that, that's as dangerous as it gets to me, much more dangerous than, than, than just screaming at people, um, which I'm down with that too. So, <laughs> but, I think the whole screaming thing, that's just basically like, you know, that's, a, that's an adolescent male thing. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're not like thinking about girls and stuff, which is what Monster Man was always thinking about. It was like, well, I know there's going to be more guys listening to it because it's heavy, but if there's any girls out there, you know, you're going to have to appeal to them too. It was like co-educational right. exercise. The metal thing kind of went off into it. just like dude, dudes playing music for other dudes, which was really uncool to me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> stupid. You know, it's like, why are you doing this? <laughs> yes yes well like um one thing i want to talk about every time i see 
somebody announce a covers album i mean i just i almost want to vomit um I know, I know. and when i saw the ridiculously cool choices you guys made on this i was excited about a covers record and uh somebody at work had heard you guys put mr destroyer out and i was uh, like what a song i was what like holy shit he covered mr destroyer because i just had not seen the press i was like did he do the intro and they're like no there was no intro but i was just like that's a song i mean they were they were jamming to that all night and they went back and checked out the original so right. uh what was the uh initial idea what what put this in your head to make a covers album well, you know, a covers album is always something you keep in your back pocket if you're in a band. Like, all right, um, if you run out of steam and you're going to have to deliver something for the record company, if you made a commitment to make an album, you can always do a covers album. There have been songs that I just thought were the coolest songs in the world and nobody ever heard them. And I was like, I can't believe that no one ever heard this song. I mean, I knew they were obscure, but plenty of obscure songs get at least get known. And I'm, over the years, I'm looking at stuff like, well, you know, just a lot of the stuff on this record, most of the stuff on this record, I noticed it's like, okay, it's been 30 years and still nobody and nobody plays this stuff. All right. Um, it's, it's time for us to do a cover record. We just got off to, we just got a tour cut in half by COVID, you know, so we couldn't finish the you know, second half of the tour right. because of COVID. And, uh, and everyone's all amped up, you know, the band's all rocking and ready to go. I was like, what the hell? I said, all right, rather than us sit around and like watch TV and get bummed out, why don't we just go right in, you know, to my drummer's studio, a little, you know, uh, kind of like demo studio <clears throat> and just do this. Finally, the time has come. I finally got the excuse to do all, you know, a lot of my favorite songs from way back when. And, uh, and I think it, it actually makes sense because it, it shows you, um, and at least it showed me, I was like, you know, here are two different times in history. One when I was a little kid, when the world was completely out of control. You know, I came of consciousness like, I was 12 years old, like 1969, and the world was nuts. It was out of control. America was burning, you know, it was protesting yeah. week and all this insanity. Um, and they actually, the media actually used words like apocalypse and end times and stuff. So flash forward now, you know, we go to 2020 and they're using the same words again. And I was like, well, where's the music to reflect this? I didn't hear it. Um, uh, I didn't, you know, the music of 2020 didn't sound like 2020 felt. But I tell you, the, the songs that I picked for this record, that sounds like 1969 and 70. Oh, absolutely. You know, that really <laughs> it's, it's insane. I, I, some of the, I mean, just starting the song, starting the album with a diamond mine, you know, uh, again, yeah. you know, I, I guarantee you there's going to be so many people that have just never heard of Dave Diamond, you know, they've no. heard of Diamond Dave, but you know, and, and just starting the record with something that bold and strange and awesome, you know, it just brought a big smile to my face and it, it just, what you were just saying, the, the States were, <coughs> were on fire of America was in this crazy fucking time. And, Dude, and, I mean, we're talking Altamont, Charles Manson, Vietnam, um, threat of nuclear war, riots. I mean, every single week from 1965 to like 1972, we had riots every single week. Damn. Things were on fire. 
Oh know? my God. I remember that as a kid. Like, I guess it's the way the world's supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be on fire all the time. I had no idea. Right, right, right. That, that things would like get back to quote unquote normal within, you know, five or six years of my young life. Everything was like back to like, okay, you know, boring old America. Um, I thought the world was supposed to be like that. So my introduction to culture was through old black and white TV, which was the old world, and this frantic explosion of music and culture that happened from, like, say, 64 to 75, where things changed every day. There were, it, it, things changed literally. The music changed every day. Every, like, six months, there was a new sound. Right. It went from the Dave Clark Five to King Crimson to, you know, Yes, um, Black Sabbath, uh, Eno, Roxy Music, Sly and the Family Stone, Alice Cooper, um, not even to mention all the folk rock and stuff. I mean, it was just a real mixed bag, crazy stuff. And you could go to think, you know, mentioning just how eclectic the artists you just mentioned. The great thing yeah. about then, you could go to a bill and see all those bands. Dude, for $3. The, yeah. You know, and it's it's the like. Bands a, didn't, they didn't, you know, they, they didn't. Rock didn't get really, really big until about 74, 75. And that's when all the bands started charging more. And they went. That's when all the stadium stuff started because bands wanted to make more money. Yeah, you know, and they got it. The rock was growing, but for that short amount of time, all that stuff—you know—you could go see like Jethro Tull and Yes, and ten years after, and Black Sabbath for three bucks. Hell yeah! Oh my god, crazy! And uh, this is a little off subject. I remember you in an interview. I can't. I even looked for this story, and I've thought about this for years. I remember you saying in an interview one time you saw Angel back in the seventies. Yes, I did. Yeah. And you said at the end of the show, I can't even tell you how many times I've been loaded and just thought of this and just laughed till I cried. But you said at the end of it, there was like a head. They had like a like a stage prop that, that was speaking almost th- or yes, just up there. It, it spoke. It was the angel logo. Yes. With like, he had a four pointed star and a head and the head spoke and told you to buy merch. Oh yeah, you, I, I'll never forget you said the end of the show, like it it spoke and said, "Now go and tell your friends you have tell seen your friends you've seen Angel." You know, and dude, you, I think you can find it on YouTube. I think you can find. I don't know if you can find the end part, but you can find the beginning. Oh, I where they it. have, the, and it's it's a voice of a famous, is like not David Hemmings, but it's a famous narrator, like a talkover guy, probably a movie trailer guy who used right. to do voice and voiceovers for sword and sandal movies, oh, wow. um, fifties, you know, gladiator movies and stuff. And he does this whole thing where he <laughs> introduces the band and the, the introduction of the band is just <clears throat> a dark stage. Um, the angel logo speaking and this guy's voice. And then God created punky meadows and punky meadows. Walks out on stage. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was one of the best, most funniest, coolest weirdest stupidest things i've ever seen in my life which is why i love rock because it's all the above that's profound what you just said and i th- that sums up everything i love about monster magnet um about when you guys came along i mean just that it, every bit of it is just as important as what you just said you know it's stupid it's all it's important cool. it's all spinal tap and it's all you know it's like as much as you want to 
be serious about it, and it is serious. In the end, it all comes out as somewhat of a spinal tap thing. You know, right. you can't help it. It's got this life. The whole rock, the whole going on stage thing, just brings out this stuff that even in your wildest, most controlling efforts cannot stop. Right. And that's kind of why it's so cool. How you can have like five people in one little clot of people, you know, just maybe at, at 16 thinking this is the coolest thing ever. And then you go over and there's a clot of five people that are 21 going, I don't know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Not to mention reviewers and all that stuff. It's fantastic. And um, it doesn't really happen like that in any other medium. You know, yeah, it's not yeah. like TV or something. That's everyone making these decisions at the same time while this event is going on. And that's it, it, you just said it. That's that's it. That's what makes it so unique. You know, it's it's yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, speaking of uh, Monster Magnet, what's a deep cut or even a, a, a you know one of your hits that you would like to see covered or reinterpreted by someone? Oh shit! I don't, I don't think about that. Yeah, I, I would love. To, I mean, I'd be totally interested in anybody would cover anything at Monster Magnet. I've seen, there's this like um. There's this uh, old lady, this like granny lady that plays Space Lord on acoustic guitar and sings with a real low voice. It's like total post-menopause, like awesome granny voice. Awesome. And she does it on YouTube, but I love it. Oh, I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna sings it, it way better. Sings it way better than I do. Well, uh, so, uh, or there have been any other covers other than that of artists? Have you ever had art of a fellow artist coming to you, man, that motherfucking song, Bummer, or something like that? I'd love to cover that, you know? Here and there, here and there, they're out there. I haven't seen anybody of any, any like, you know, um, uh, big stature do it. Right. But I've seen, like, uh, little bands across Europe and stuff like that. And we do, we got a really good following in Europe, which I kind of pointed the boat in that direction about 15 years ago because I realized that. You know, the whole rock thing was fizzling out in America. Culture was changing, you know. And I was like, it's not, this isn't my, it's not, you know, America really wasn't the place for uh, um, straight ahead rock or psychedelic rock anymore. You know, and it wasn't going to be like that, you know, ever again. Just because so many culture changes, you know. Oh, yeah. took over. It did. And uh, so basically rock was, if, if you were going to be, inventive with it or if you, if you weren't going to knock on specific doors like become a strict oldies act um that america probably would not be the place to play it right now that's not to say that if you're in a metal band it's because you know being totally metal is a different story I mean, metal is, is metal and is metal forever but the kind of stuff i did was um had a lot of innuendo in it you know and, and it had a lot of nods and winks and stuff and it was, it was actually it's it, it pretty sophisticated in understanding it, although it doesn't look like that. I had to go to some place where it, I could be fresh like that. And um, the Europe was a place. So while we still do America, um, uh, we do Europe, you know, five times more. And that's where the bands that covered us came from. Right, right. And, you know, when you go over there and you see the crowds you're playing to over there, you know, when you see how rock is 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 received in the states, it's got to be frustrating. Um, but at the same time, don't 
don't you kind of feel like, hey, we are, we're out here, man. We're fucking doing this, you know, still. And we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, right. always. Well, I always tell the guys, I was like, you know, there's nobody else doing quite what we do, you know, so be proud. I'm really happy. And that's the reason I do it because, you know, what was once considered, um, you know, when I was a little kid, which is a long time ago, a little kid, you know, um, and by the time the, you know, rock got big and it kind of went into stadium size, it was the whole power trio and, you know, guitar format was just laughed at because, mm-hmm. you know, it was just done, overdone and done so badly for so long. But I remember saying, like, once this stuff goes away, it's going to be hard to actually get this stuff together and do it right again. Yeah. Um, unless you really pay attention to those old, those, those old beats and, um, and just the, the technique and all that stuff. I said, someday, rock is going to go away and it's going to be like vaudeville, but it'll come back like jazz. And it'll be, you know, there'll be there'll be a small group of people, very very heartfelt, that'll be into doing it and into watching it if it's done correctly, right? You know, with the the original spirit involved, the original technique, you know, which is you you got to know your stuff, you know, I got to know your bass players and your your old uh, drummers and all that stuff, and that's what we do, you know. I mean, I'm like influenced by Black Sabbath, Hawkwind, the Stooges. Groundhogs. Groundhogs. I mean, well, I'm talking about the most underrated band in history. Who talks about the ground? No one. Right. Well, Groundhogs. Kind of going on to what I was saying, you guys doing it right. When I was a younger man, I read you in an interview. In an interview, you stated when you're writing with somebody, you got to be able to look at them. Like if you're if you wanting to bend a riff or something or, or and just look at them and go groundhogs. And I went and had to special order split the CD. And I mean, you know, that's that's how the story keeps going is, you know, me reading that interview years ago, checking that out. You know, now I can't imagine my life without that fucking band. You know, can you I mean, have you ever in your life? It's like, how could something this unique sounding go unnoticed for so long? It's unbelievable. Well, you know, I think it's the old story when you start learning about management and things like that. Yeah. You know, uh, it's, it's, you you look, you know, he's still alive too. Yeah. Tony McPhee and he still goes out and, you know, he sits on a stool and like some pub somewhere. And it's like, this guy is like nobody else. I mean, those records that he did, his over, overdubbing his guitar that like post Hendrix blues thing um, where most people just kind of hacked it out you know hey, it will sound like cream or you know it doesn't matter it will sound like cream or sound like Zeppelin he did it in a way that didn't sound like any of those bands absolutely you know he really kept the blues in there and he played and he kept all this crazy blues in there well, it's like I can't Ju- believe you know Judas Priest you take a band that's known as a metal you look at their 70s records they're yeah. rock, man. They're they're kind it's of rock, in the yeah. you know. I mean, it's it's they didn't I've forget the those, rock, you know. I've talked to those guys before. The guitars from there, they're really cool. They remember all that stuff very, 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 very much. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, cool. hey, Davey, but I got a couple more questions for you. But it's so good, nice to hang with us this afternoon. But sure, Last Patrol and Mastermind. Now, two fucking amazing records, also with Mindfucker. Um, now you did the reimagining and the redo. How did you get this idea? And I know, you know, it's good something to have in the chamber, but I think it's such a, a, a great idea and it, it, they, the records just complement themselves perfectly. So where, where did this come from? 
No, it's I'm glad, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you noticed. I mean, you know, my record company, you know, at the time, they didn't understand what I was doing. And, and why should anybody? I mean, we don't live in, you know, we live in kind of world where everyone likes to be told completely what you're doing. And it has to make sense very fast or they don't have enough time to contemplate it. Um, you know what I mean? So it's it's hard to get like, you know, um, uh, how do you get a hit, you know, a hit record, whatever that means. But you, you, I couldn't get much focus on stuff, and I knew I wouldn't on that. Like, hey, guess what? I'm going to go back and redo a bunch of songs in weird ways just because I feel like doing it, and I think it's going to be a cool listening experience, and uh, it's going to teach me a lot about recording and how lo-fi I can get and how much I can change the mood on basically the same song. But if I change, you know, it's just like too much too much to ask of people to get into i thought it was a good idea because i could learn a lot about recording at home right um, because i had been doing all my recording in studios with engineers and the the home recording uh stuff like that had, had gotten so good at that point um that you could actually do records from home right as opposed to before where it was a little dicey um so i took that that uh, opportunity to go in there and redo a bunch of stuff and just put a different different spin on it and to try to make little odd little uh, bips and bops of stuff and see how lo-fi I can get and how, how I could put like a kind of a, a 60 spin on some stuff and just an odd spin on a lot of stuff. It was really a lot of fun. Probably the most fun I had in making records in a long time. Well, the proof's in the pudding, man, because, I mean, when you take something like that, a song lives on its own, has its own life, but there's so many sides to a song, you know, and uh, just being it's able true. to to just piece by piece, just sit there, play one version of it, and then, bam, go right over to the to the companion record. I just think both, especially those, uh, you know, Last Patrol and Ma Mastermind, anybody that is not worshiping those records is just, you're fucking missing out, man. Um, and the same with mine. Oh, thanks, and, uh, but I got one more question for you and I got to ask you this. And with sure. all the love of the world was, were you guys one of the first names for monster magnet? Was that airport 1975? Yes, it was. That is so <laughs> goddamn badass in a way. We played a couple shows with that name too. <laughs> I love everything about that. <laughs> no. Um, me and it was so let's start a covers band like a lucifer's friend covers band and just call it airport 75 you know oh and <laughs> dude don't get me started lucifer's friend believe me oh. and uh, in fact that, that first that first record um that is just just a that is just a, a masterpiece of fucking cool ass rock stone cold classic and then Man, I mean, the organ playing and the panning on the record. That was Dieter Dirks, the guy that later produced the all the Scorpions, Scorpions records. records. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, then that record get that, that's way underrated. I mean, that is like and John Lawton singing John Lawton. He just died. Um, that's the beginning. And like, you know, where do you think, you know, where do you think immigrant song came from? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Zeppelin strikes again. Jimmy Page strikes again. Yes. Yes. Um, well, you know, you look at their later, you, you look at Lucifer Friends later, you know, they got a little proggy after that record. Not they got proggy and jazzy and stuff, yeah. And I love those fucking records, too. So. I, like, I like them, too. I like them all, too. Well, Dave, um, 
What uh, one last before I let you go, man? Uh, what what are you? What's the future for Monster Matter? When are you guys getting back on the road? And anything else you want to let us know that's going down? Let us know. Uh, right, right now we're um, we got um, we're gonna do New Year's Eve in New Jersey. That'll be our first show since the pandemic, and that's a um, kind of a celebration of uh, the 30th anniversary of uh, Spine of God and Tab. Oh, yeah. So on the first record. So we're going to do that in its entirety. And then I've got a European tour set for June of 2022. And hopefully the world will have its shit together. So I can go from country to country <laughs> without, you know. Absolutely. Weirdness going on. And that's up for the whole summer in Europe. And then a, a further headline tour of Europe. And then back to the States for a headline tour of the States in 2023. So hopefully most of this shit should be moved out of the way. I mean, people are touring now, but the tours are keep getting up, keep getting interrupted so much. It's probably not a good idea to go out. I, I just look at it. I feel like the wheels are just going to completely fall off when you got, especially some of these bigger tours, 40, 50 people traveling. I mean, it just, yeah, there's no, I mean, if, if you look, if, if the biggest germaphobe in the world, Gene Simmons gets COVID, you know, <laughs> after two days on tour. Yes. I think that tells you something, you know, I'm sure he has really good security, but it's, you know, what's going to happen. And who knows, this is a, you know, this is a new one for everybody. Yes. It's is so unprecedented. It's so, I mean, God almighty, you know, you, you talk about when in the late sixties with the way things were, this is just a whole different, whole different thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you put the plague on top of it, that changes a lot, you know, <laughs> Hey, there's a little plague going on. Plague. <laughs> Yeah. holy shit okay well uh man it was such an honor to talk to you uh I, I, we wish you the best and and safe travels on the tour man and uh when, when you get something here in the states going uh come by through our little town and uh uh, uh throw oh, our show, I mean, man athens is like got a big place in my heart like i told you i stayed there once back in the olden days of like late Late uh, 70s, I think it was, I said 78, but I think it was like 79. And we played down there in, in my first band, Shrapnel. And we played down there in um, somewhere in Athens. And then we spent the night at somebody, and I can't remember who, somebody from the B-52s um, said, you can crash at our house. Nice. And I can't remember who it was. Um, and we crashed at the house and discovered the whole Athens thing. And was like, wow, there's a little, there's an oasis of, massively good culture right here yeah you know what i mean and i'm glad it's still going i mean it really was it stood out from other places in the states it was like I said, nobody knows about this right you know it's its own san francisco you know it's its own little thing it really is and those are kind <laughs> kind words that hold a lot of weight here thank you for saying that about our little town. oh it was very very noticeable from the very beginning that we'd gone into a place that was just far away enough from the big cities Right, but close, but close enough to know what was going on to to make something that was uninterrupted by uh, massive commercial concern, and it was art first, and it was really good spirited art and uh, inventiveness and just good vibes. You know, I mean, it's in like a hippie, but it was like massively good vibes. And even at that age, I think I was maybe eighteen. I can I know it. This isn't like New York. You know, New York was negative. You know, yeah. I was in the pubs in New York. It was like, it's all about you celebrate what you hate. 
You know, that's what the late, late 70s is about. Celebrate what you hate. But in Athens, it was like, no, we celebrate what we like. Right. Oh, man, that's Big a difference. great way to put it, man. Big difference. Great way to put it. Yeah. Well, Dave, thank you so much. And uh, I can't tell you I can't tell you enough uh, uh, thank yous for doing this. And everybody needs to go out and get Monster Magnet's amazing cover record, A Better Dystopia. Throw on Mr. Disappointed. It's it's like it's like forty five minutes of psycho centric rock. So how cool is Dave? Please do yourself a favor and go out and get their latest record, a better dystopia, and hell, get all their fucking records. That's it for our show this week. Stay switched on, and we will see you next week.